From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Even by his own enigmatic standards, it's been difficult to keep up with, but Elon Musk has now agreed to buy Twitter, possibly bringing to an end one of the most high-profile corporate battles of recent times. And just like that, the Elon Musk Twitter saga is over. Both parties have agreed the deal is back on at the original price. $54.20 a share, valuing Twitter at US $44 billion. Fittingly, this story ended with a tweet. Quote, at Elon Musk on Twitter, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. So what on earth is X, this everything app? That's been a dream more than 25 years in the making for Elon Musk. It's Friday, the 7th of October, and today I want to know, what do I need to know about this X? To do this, I'm joined by the co-founder here at Equity Mates, Alec Ranahan. Alec, welcome to The Dive. Hey, Sasha, let's go back to the Elon Musk well one more time. You know, me just saying, what is this X, time after time reminds me of algebra in grade 11. So I hope it's going to be a little bit more interesting than maths class was for me. Yes, yes. Well, Sasha, to tell this full story, we need to go back a lot further than your grade 11 and all the way back to the 1990s. Back in 95, there weren't very many people on the internet. Um, And certainly nobody was making any money at all. Uh, Most people thought the internet was going to be a fad. So in the 1990s, Elon Musk, his brother Kimball Musk and Greg Curry had founded Zip2, an online city guide that was sold to newspapers. Yes, this story starts in the early days of the first internet boom. Zip2 was co-founded by Elon in 1995. By 1998, the company had partnered with about 160 newspapers and they were developing online guides to cities that newspapers would then give their subscribers. The early days of the internet, very different place. But in 1999, Compact Computers paid $305 million to acquire Zip2. A year ago, Musk sold his software company, Zip2, which enabled newspapers to publish online for $400 million cash. And like a true entrepreneur, as Elon was selling his first company, he was already dreaming of his second. And this is where X comes into the story. Yes, that's right, X. But Sasha, it was the late 90s. It was a dot-com startup, so X.com. Because you've got to remember in the late 90s, adding .com to your business name gave it an extra zero when it came to valuing it. I wish there was a hack like that in this era. Yeah, you call yourself an AI-enabled crypto startup. Of course, of course. (laughs) But Elon envisaged X as a full-service online bank that provided checking and savings account, brokerage, insurance, even investing. What we're going to do is transform the traditional banking industry. You can call Elon many things, but he certainly is a visionary. He is always imagining things that are kind of in advance of the time that he's living in. So what happened next with X.com? It started well. It started really well. Within two months of launching, X.com had over 200,000 signups. And they were offering all kinds of products, including an S&P 500 index fund with zero fees. We don't even have a zero fee index fund today. I'm pretty jealous of that, actually. 
Yeah, well, this is where it becomes a late 90s tech bubble story because a zero-fee S&P 500 index fund and a promotional bonus where you got 20 bucks for just signing up meant that the company was burning huge amounts of money. It was spending a lot of money to get customers. It wasn't making a lot of money, but its competitors were also spending a lot of money to get customers as they all tried to establish themselves in this new world of digital online banking. So just four months, four months after Elon started X.com, he was forced to merge with his biggest competitor, Peter Thiel's Confinity, and Elon was appointed CEO of the new merged company. Now, Confinity had produced a product, PayPal. PayPal was started as a product that allowed you to send money Palm Pilot to Palm Pilot. But as Palm Pilot's popularity waned and the internet's popularity grew, uh, Peter Thiel's Confinity adapted PayPal to allow it to send money via email. So the merged company was Elon Musk's X.com, digital banking, and Peter Thiel's Confinity, digital money transfers. All kind of makes sense. And then just six months later, while Elon was honeymooning in Australia, the board of X.com voted for a change of CEO. They booted Elon, they installed Peter Thiel, and a little while later, Peter Thiel oversaw the name change, killing X.com and renaming it PayPal. It's not a good idea to leave the office (laughs) when there are like a lot of major things uh, underway which are causing people a great deal of stress. Uh, but it was a combination of uh, needing to raise money and uh, I had not, there was just a lot of worry and that, that caused uh, uh, the management team to decide that I wasn't the right guy to run the company. That sounds like it could have been an episode of Succession, you know, while you're on the other side of the world enjoying yourself, your company changes hands beneath you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty brutal world and I think Elon also got booted as CEO from his first company, Zip2, so that he now makes sure that no one can boot him as CEO from the companies he runs today. Yeah, and as you said, that was the end of X.com. A year or so later, eBay buys PayPal for $1.5 billion, and PayPal quickly becomes the standard for buying and selling online. I mean, I've certainly seen it on my bank accounts when I've gone a little crazy at Etsy, so (laughs) it certainly established itself as a big player in the online space. Yeah, and the PayPal team, often called the PayPal Mafia, go on to do some pretty amazing things. Elon Musk goes on to found SpaceX and take over Tesla, not a founder, common misconception. Uh, Peter Thiel goes on to co-found Palantir and invest early in Facebook. Steve Chen, Jared Kim and Chad Hurley go on to co-found YouTube. Reed Hastings goes on to found LinkedIn. Russell Simmons co-founds Yelp. David Sachs founds Yammer. Max Levchin co-founds Buy Now Pay Later Affirm. The PayPal team go on to do some amazing things, but none of it is Elon's original dream of digital banking. It seems in all that time, Elon did not forget about his X.com dreams because in July 2017, Musk repurchased the domain name X.com from PayPal, saying it had great sentimental value to him. Yeah, he did say that. uh, And I highly recommend you taking a second to look up X.com. It's not what you'd expect from a website these days. Well, look, I think that's a good time to take a break because I'm going to open up my browser and have a check this out and see what it is. And that'll give everyone else an opportunity to do the same thing. So we'll be right back. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, let's tell you about the latest when it comes to the world's richest man. That's Elon Musk. He's changed his mind about buying Twitter again and is now willing to go ahead with his takeover. Welcome back to The Dive. Look, if you're on the move and you didn't get the chance to look up x.com in your browser like me, I'm going to spoil it for you. It's pretty underwhelming. It's pretty much just a blank screen with a tiny little X in the top left corner. Alec, I'm really underwhelmed. So 23 years after Elon co-founded x.com and five years after buying the domain, he's linking it to his acquisition of Twitter. What do we know? Because this website is not giving me any starting points. Yeah, so the story's come back into focus this week after Elon revived his offer to purchase Twitter. As you said in your introduction, the deal's back on at the originally agreed terms, $44 billion US dollars, $54.20 a share. Forget the court case in Delaware, Elon is going through. And as you said, he tweeted, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. And later in the the comments section, in the replies section, whatever you call it on Twitter, he responded to a user by saying, Twitter probably accelerates X by three to five years, but I could be wrong. As part of his original bid to buy Twitter, Elon also formed three holding companies, each named with a variation of X Holdings. X Holdings 1 would function as Twitter's parent company. X Holdings 2 would buy Twitter. And X Holdings 3 would fund the deal. So we're seeing X a lot. We're hearing discussion about X a lot. We're seeing Elon tweeting that X could be accelerated by three to five years by buying Twitter. There's clearly something percolating in that brain of his. So it's led to all this speculation this week. What exactly is percolating? Part of this speculation is that he could try to bring all the businesses together under one large parent company under this idea of the super app. It's not a new concept, is it? It's just not so prevalent in the West. Uh, Wall Street Journal, big article about the super app. And of course, they're thinking about Line, WeChat, uh, Weibo, the apps that in Japan and China, you know, do everything for you. Yeah, that's right. The OG super app is WeChat, owned by Chinese tech giant Tencent. But we see a variety of super apps outside of Western contexts. So in a nutshell, what a super app is, it's an app upon which other apps are built, underpinned by a payments network. And in essence, for the user, it becomes the everything app. Anything you want to do online, any services you want to engage, you can do it through the one app and you can pay through that app as well. So WeChat has over half a million mini apps, which are other businesses, other apps built specifically for the WeChat platform. And they allow Chinese customers to do everything from hailing a cab, buying groceries, ordering food delivery, booking a doctor's appointment, purchasing insurance, playing games, Sasha, whatever you want to do online. If you're in China, WeChat's got you covered. And the reason that all these mini apps are happy to build on WeChat 
is because WeChat has the users. 1.2 billion active users to be precise. And they have the payments network. WeChat Pay, sometimes called WeChat Wallet. It enables payments for all of these apps. So they have the users, they have the payment network, and then they allow other apps to be built on top of them. I can't stress enough how ubiquitous this is in the daily lives of Chinese citizens. You can do everything in it. Messaging, payments, e-commerce, uh, ordering food, ordering taxis, booking flights, gaming. No need to download all these disparate apps as well. And the Chinese use it every single day. So WeChat is just one example of a super app. In Southeast Asia, we have Grab which started as a taxi hailing app and now provides a whole raft of services. In South America, there's Rappi. In the Middle East, there's Kareem. Across Africa, there's Jumia. In Iran, there's Snap, Double P. In Russia, there's Yandex Go. India has PayTM. In Japan, there's Line. I think you get the point, Sasha. Outside of the you know Western English-speaking context, super apps are really common. Which leads to the question... Why has no one been able to establish a super app in the West? Why is that? And why does Elon think he can do it differently? Yeah, so it's important to note that Elon isn't alone in his ambitions for a Western super app. Several other social media platforms have tried. Uber have tried, WhatsApp tried, Facebook tried, YouTube. Hell, even Google Maps wanted to turn themselves into a super app. So we've heard this ambition from Western tech leaders before, and it's difficult to pinpoint exactly why these efforts have failed, why we haven't had a super app. Uh, the, the evolution of tech ecosystems have been a little bit different. Many of these countries that have a super app have been mobile first. They kind of skipped the desktop stage of using the internet and went straight to mobile. There's also the argument that Apple's ecosystem has eroded the need for a super app because remember a key reason super apps exist is the payment network but apple's payment network kind of negates the need for a super app to then process payments there's also the argument that quite simply we don't pay by mobile as much as some of these other countries in china more than 80 percent of adults use mobile payments in america it's about a third of adults use mobile payments so maybe there just isn't the use case for mobile payment enabled super apps there's also the argument that the regulatory environment is different anti-monopoly regulation and opposition from policymakers in the us australia and europe could serve as other barriers so there's plenty of arguments or plenty of suggestions why there isn't a super app but really what's important for this story is that there isn't one a lot of western companies have tried and Elon is going to give it a crack again. Yeah, it's interesting because when you were defining what a super app was before, my mind instantly went to Apple, but you've outlined some really good reasons why that hasn't happened so far. And the important thing to note is that Apple is still a dominant mobile player in all of these countries with a super app. So Apple can't be the full explanation because Apple is big in China, Apple's big in the Middle East, Apple's big in Japan, and in these economies or in these regions super apps have developed so it's probably like most things in life sasha a multifaceted explanation that isn't simple yeah and elon hasn't really revealed what he's going to do differently either but there's no question that he's ambitious 
And I would say surely if someone had had the opportunity to create a super app previously, it would have been Jack Dorsey because after all, he was the CEO of Twitter at the same time as being the CEO of Block, which is the company behind Square and Cash App, a, a payment system in other words. Yeah, it's it's a fair point. And if you think about WeChat's development in China, the OG super app, it started as a communications platform that then added a payments processor. And Twitter was a communications platform and then he founded Block, which became a payments processor amongst other things. So you're right, bringing those two companies together probably was the closest that anyone in the West got. But I think it's notable that we finish on Block, Sasha, because Block is probably the closest thing to what Elon originally envisaged in the late 90s. It's the closest thing today to a truly digital-only bank with all of the functionality that Elon envisaged in 1999. So maybe Elon's buying the wrong Jack Dorsey company. Well, Alec, I think one of our first episodes at The Dive was the beginning of this uh, Twitter versus Elon saga. And I feel like we've traced it over the last couple of months. And it's satisfying to kind of finally close the book on it. Although I say that with some trepidation because when it comes to Elon, isn't there going to be another chapter? I'm not calling book closed at all. We will be talking about this story again sooner rather than later, I imagine. All right. Well, stay tuned for the epilogue. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend about it. It is the best way for the podcast to grow. And if you've just joined us for the first time, welcome. Go check out our back catalogue. Why don't you go and catch up on all the chapters of the Elon saga? And we've launched something new recently. Alongside this episode, we released a short headlines companion. It has news from all around the world. Alec and Darcy delivered it for you today. So go check that out in your podcast feed. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at thedive.businessnews. You can contact us by email, thedive at equitymates.com. And you can subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alec. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. The Dive is a product of Equity Mates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.